0: God is good. Yeah, let's give Him a shout, can't we? Thank you, God. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for leading us uh, in that worship set, and it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah. What He would do to come after us? God is awesome. I uh, just want to celebrate a, f- a few things here that I observe happening in the body so awesome last week about four o'clock somebody wanted to see our office i went by there and here's this amazing group of people gathered to talk about how we can send two teams to guatemala i just thought how awesome and then and i was supposed to be a part of that meeting and was wasn't even there and then i went home to drop these folks off and when i got to my house the neighbors are there hosting a life group that and we're not even a part of that and some are just meeting around the community and seeing that what a beautiful thing but this week um uh just a couple of people expressing great great gratitude for a thing we do called bobcat camp once a month the elementary kids are out of school because of teacher and service and what do parents and families do with their kids when 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 there's no school on the special days especially when everybody's working and so we're actually providing an opportunity for those kids Uh, the schools asked us to do this we wanted to pay for it but they insist on paying for it as, as part of their outreach and so we provide the workers so this year uh it was decided that we would move to the community center, and and suddenly our our numbers jumped from uh, you know like maybe 20s to double to like 40. <laughs> we had to turn kids away. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. And, and why are we able to do it? We're able to do it because because of you, because of who Summit people are, because you're generous, and and not only with your resources but with your time. That that people are taking time. There there was one professor young professor who took his entire day to serve at bobcat camp and that's who you are that's who you are summit yeah and and i just want to recognize who you are then i don't know did you see this huge full page this week did you see this this is uh summit joins with food for the hungry as we adopt this village in guatemala oh my goodness this is fascinating that that this is being recognized how is this happening Because this is who you are. This small church, you're generous, and and you give. And I just say, glory to God for you. Does anybody else want to say glory to God, huh, for what he's doing in our midst? You're you're generous with your time, you're generous with your resources, and consequently, we are are able to do the things we do. And I I was thinking, you know, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, and that he's the Lord of the harvest. And we're supposed to ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers in a harvest field. Man, what a sending place. I just had a moment this week. When I start thinking of all the people that are being sent, Summit Church isn't a place to come and sit and watch. Summit Church is a place to be challenged and be stirred and, and to be sent. So here's people going, getting ready to go to Guatemala. Two teams, can you believe it? Maybe 16 people per team. Oh my goodness. Uh, how many people did you say were part of this tournament, Cheryl? A hundred people part of this yeah, and, and people that wouldn't even darken the doors of our church are getting excited about what we're doing here, and they're there being a part of it. It's so cool. But I'm thinking about Brad and Sarah Toms, who are serving the Lord. i thinking about Nicole Cousineau, who's part of a church plant down in Fort Collins, seeking God what, as to what's next. And I'm thinking of a guy named Nate. What did I do wrong? Did I say Cousineau? Oh, not Nicole Cousineau. <laughs> but Nicole Cousineau is awesome for God, too. She's a <laughs> missionary wherever she is. Nicole, Nicole Powell Stevenson's her married name, sorry uh, about that little error there. Anyway, that's all good. Uh, yeah, I could just go on and on and on, and uh, glory to God for you, you, who you are and, and who you're becoming in the course of this, and then uh, just to hear his testimony of how you're being stirred and, and how you're being challenged. You're being unleashed, and so here we are in the series, Jesus unleashed, and, and really, really thank God for what he's doing. Uh, through, through this teaching right now. You know, we say around here, all eyes on Jesus. We talked about why we do that last week. You can listen to that online if you, if you want to do that. But in recognizing all eyes on Jesus, we just may need to broaden our scope a bit. Jesus isn't just a lamb. Jesus is also a lion. Yeah, he's not always safe. Okay, now now think about this. He said to his closest followers, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Oh, we don't want that kind of Jesus. I mean, we see what's happening in our world and we want to duck our head and say, Save me, Jesus. Or, or we want to say, Lord Jesus, come quickly and get me out of this mess. And in living this way, trying to stay safe we just might be missing out on much of life and much of what the Lord has for us because all the great stories come through the challenge. They come through the hardships. They come through those impossibilities that somehow are broken through. Jesus So <laughs> I'm thinking about this, and I'm, I, I, I had this old joke that I used to tell, and I wondered where I plug it in, so I'll plug it in this week. This preacher, you know, (laughs) he's got a a, a lavalier microphone, one of those that clips on your tie, and it had a cord on it dangling like this, and and with a red-faced growl, I mean, he's into it, and he's shouting at his congregation, leaning in and getting just as close into their faces as he possibly could. And just then a little girl taps her dad on the leg and says, Dad, if he gets loose, will he bite (laughs) <laughs> yeah jesus unleashed he's not always safe so if you read in between where we were last week in mark 1 and where we are today in mark 2 jesus is performing all sorts of miracles the result the word is out crowds are are huge and now we begin to see some wolves showing up okay so chapter 2 verse 1 now get the image of what's taking place as we read the this, this scripture. Because that's what Mark is all about. He'd, he'd rather show us than tell us. This is a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about Jesus being from Nazareth, and now it's saying Jesus came home to Capernaum. Okay, big difference going from the hills to the seaside. It's because this is where now Jesus has set up shop in Capernaum. The mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw, whose faith? Their faith. Their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now just stop right there and consider the question, what did the faith of the friends have to do with the paralyzed man's? Sin. And the challenge right here is, is maybe just maybe. And and this is my whole vision for, for ministry and my whole calling. Because a kid who influenced me to Christ. Still today, can't imagine himself having influence in me to Christ. And so God gave me the message to the church, you are influencing people. They're looking, they're watching. And is it possible that the influence you are having on people around you, people in your life, is just a little bit bigger than you're realizing and just a little bit bigger than you may be embracing? Their faith. Son, your sins, not his faith, their faith, your sins are forgiven verse 6 now some teachers and here come the wolves into this situation some teachers of the law were, were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? See, you can't fool Jesus. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows what's going on in your heart. Hmm. Verse 9, he carries on. Jesus goes on. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, So we need to focus our time today together on verse 2 where it says, People had gathered in such large numbers that there was no more room even outside the door. And I've got some real good news for you today. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Some really good news. God may seem out of reach, but there's another door. Is anybody glad that there's another door? Come on, are you going to help me today or am I going to just battle you the whole way? Huh? Can you turn to somebody? Can you turn to somebody next to you and tell them there is another door? Yeah. And and the principle here is that life's greatest opportunities are not always obvious. When Valerie first spotted me a long, long time ago, I was wearing outdated burgundy corduroy hip hugger extra bell bell bottoms and a flowery shirt and I had longer feathered hair and I was bad. What she ever saw in me, who knows, life's greatest opportunities are not always obvious. God called Moses to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt. Moses wanted a sign. God just said, what's that in your hand? Pointing to his shepherd's staff. People expect Jesus to show up with trumpets blasting, red carpets being rolled out. But when he showed up in a cattle stall, people missed him. Jesus made some folks really upset when he didn't get to his friend Lazarus in time to heal him. But there was a greater miracle in Lazarus' death. It's called resurrection. That's the God we serve. Life's greatest opportunities. Sometimes, oftentimes, we miss them. So Mark tells us that Jesus was teaching. The crowd was so big that there was no getting to him. Then here comes this group of friends. Four of them are definitely carrying this man. All of them had hopes of getting their friend to Jesus, but the obvious path was blocked. And the good news, the interesting news is that there's at least four doors in this passage. And the first one, I'm sorry to tell you, is the door of disappointment. Door of disappointment. There's a door of disappointment. Now now think about it. Imagine this is you. You've carried your friend to Jesus. Who knows how far you've come or how much work it's been to get him to Jesus only to find Jesus is out of reach. And if this had been most of us, if we're really going to be honest, we probably would have given up. You know, I'm not so sure it's God's will for you to be healed today because if it were, he would have opened the door And as your pastor, I just have to say, I'm not really a fan of this business of open-door, closed-door theology, because yes, I believe God directs us, but I also believe that some of life's greatest opportunities are on the other side of what looks to us like a closed door. Yeah, This crippled man had a lifetime of disappointments. His friends, they're not going to let this happen today. They looked at this door of disappointment and they said, we didn't carry you this far just to turn around and get you home. We will find your way. Reminds me of an old church song we used to sing. I bet some of you know it. The words are, my faith looks... Anybody know the next word? Up to thee. Yeah, you got all three of them. My faith looks up to me. The third verse talks about the mazes and disappointments of life. And then it says, be thou my guide. God, show me the way. And I think about this. And I imagine the conversation of these guys. Hank, oh Hank, I didn't know what to do. So I turned to the Lord. I looked up to the Lord and I said, show me the way. And then I saw the roof, Hank, and I thought to myself, we can do this thing. Well, shoot, Wilbur, that's a great idea. And sometimes we just need to look up to the one who's above life's disappointments and just getting our eyes on him can give us a whole new perspective. And I say this with all sincerity, man, oh man, in the midst of the disappointment, to pause and to look to God. And you know, sometimes gatherings like this aren't as beneficial to those who come out of duty or out of guilt or if they feel like it or if it's easy or we've got two strikes here if the weather's right or if the Broncos aren't starting at 11 o'clock. I mean, times like this are often best for the determined who know in their hearts, we've got to be there and on the edge of their seats ready for God to do a mighty work. Mark in his gospel uses the word faith four times, and each time it has to do with something great, but each time it has to do with someone being able to look beyond the obvious. Faith, substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, that is these guys. And it's interesting also to notice that Jesus wasn't even healing when these guys showed up. No, it wasn't part of the agenda, all right? He's just preaching the word. Clearly, this is an interruption, kind of like sitting in a meeting when someone's cell phone goes off loudly, right? And, And without even thought of shutting it off or stepping out of the room, there they are. Everybody else is trying to have a conversation and there they are blurring. Do I sound like I've got a personal agenda here? Maybe, yeah, move on. Let's get on this Jesus stuff. But you see, these guys didn't ask for permission, They didn't care if it was messing up an agenda. They were determined. And what we need to hear is that some of life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious, and oftentimes they show up in the form of an interruption. Are we ready, ready? I love that position. You know, ready, ready. Any way we need to go, we're ready to go that way. Matthew wrote about this same situation saying this. He said, some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat when Jesus saw their faith. Did you notice what he left out there? He didn't say anything about the roof. Okay, now, uh, for, for all of you people who love background in, in Scripture, do you realize that it's often believed that potentially this isn't even the gospel of Mark? That potentially this is the gospel of Simon Peter? And the possibility that someone like the young man John Mark sat down with Simon Peter and said, tell me your side of the story. And so here's John Mark, young John Mark, transcribing every word for Peter. It's the gospel of Peter, potentially. And it's also interesting to note that some believe that this story that we're reading today happened at Peter's house. Now think about this. Matthew remembered the part about the healing, but he forgot the part about the roof. Peter didn't forget the roof. Why? It was his roof. Yeah, Someone suggested that we actually need a follow-up sermon to this one called, Who Patched the Hole in the Roof? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing about that. And, and, and so as a preacher, I just saw a really cool moment here just for another little personal agenda. The person who patched the roof wasn't a person who needed any recognition at all. It was just one of those servants who saw the hole and said, Oh, there's a hole in the roof. I'd better take care of that. And I am so grateful for people who have that gift of just seeing what needs to be done and doing it. And and as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about our setup crew. We have this fascinating system that was designed, I don't want to say any names, I love, love, love to acknowledge individuals, and you, you are such a unique body if I say your name publicly you say Pastor Mike if you ever mention my name again I'm not doing anything anymore for this church yeah so I won't say the name but the idea is the truck shows up at eight o'clock and then a group of people just meet to get boxes where the boxes go they just see a need and and they do it and and then whoever works out of those areas pulls out of the boxes to set up th- those areas. They're just people who see a need and then move. So it's really fascinating because there's one fellow in our church who carries this heavily, always wondering, will those people show up? Always, always wondering, will those people show up? And and, and sometimes amazed at, at who who shows up. And so this last Thursday, it was like, oh, we're really falling short on people to show up and unload the trailer. And so we prayed about it, you know? And then, Today, I show up, and there's a fleet of cars out in the parking lot. Everybody's happy because a whole bunch of people showed up to unload the trailer. We didn't even ask. And that's who you are, Summit. That's who you are. And and I don't even need to be, you know, recruiting because God moves, and you respond. And someone saw the hole in the roof. There I am preaching the message, and that was the one we're supposed to come back to. Thank you. Thanks to you who just see a need and you respond. Glory to God. So here's Jesus teaching. Back to the, we're, we're actually working the word here, right? <laughs> yeah, let's get back here. So Jesus is teaching. He's about to make a point when dirt starts falling off the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, dirt, dirt's falling off the ceiling. These guys are digging through. They're getting their hands dirty for their friend. Now, here's a good question. Is anybody willing to get your hands dirty to get somebody to Jesus or are you worried about your manicure oh there's another great sermon right we got two to come back to who passed the hole in the roof the second one is manicures are miracles <laughs> which is it going to be and so now they get the guy through the roof and they're lowering him and and some of the scholars want to suggest that surely they dropped him the last couple of inches because that's always how it works when you're lowering somebody down, right? (laughs) Yeah, but you know, and they're wondering what is Jesus going to do next? And then Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Hank, what did he say? Well, I don't know, something about sins, Wilbur. Well, well, did he say anything about healing? Nope, just something about forgiveness. Well, shoot, that's fine and dandy and all, but can he heal his legs while he's at it? What's the problem? These guys didn't bring their friend to Jesus to get forgiveness. They brought their friend to Jesus to get healing. What do you do when God seems to miss what you're wanting in order to give you what you really need? I mean, the obvious miracle here was healing, but sometimes before God's going to do the obvious thing, he needs to do a less obvious, greater thing. Before he will change a situation, he might want to use it for a greater purpose or he just might want to use it to prepare you for, to receive it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because in this culture, um, people viewed sin and, and suffering as, as being somehow connected. It, it was assumed that if you suffered, you must have done something to deserve it. Jesus shoots this down over in John chapter 9 when they come across a man who was blind from birth. And so the disciples are wanting to know, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind. And Jesus said, guys, it has nothing to do with anybody's sin, but this has everything to do with an opportunity for God to show his power. Wow. And sometimes we look at hurting people and we assume, you know, they must have done something to deserve it. But maybe, just maybe, we're missing out on a greater thing that's going on. Maybe, just maybe, he wants to do a greater work. Maybe he's wanting to teach you something. Maybe he's wanting to somehow use you in the process. I am so glad that this man had friends who were willing to carry their friend to Jesus. Yeah, door of disappointment. There's a second door. It's a door of opposition. (laughs) Yeah, please hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this morning. When Jesus saw the faith of these men, you ready for this? He forgave the man. When Jesus heard the thoughts of these critics, these haters, these wolves, he was unleashed and he healed the man. Now think about that. The friend's actions brought forgiveness. The opposition's thoughts brought healing. Can I just say, praise God for the opposition? Has anybody ever tried to stop you, doubted you, put roadblocks in front of you, been critical of you because of something you're doing, questioned you? I mean, it reminds me of how the book of Philippians starts off, Paul said that he was needing to stay in Ephesus, not because the people were friendly or because the food was great, but because God had opened great doors for, for ministry. And then he said, I know this because the opposition is so great. And truth be known, what the enemy has done to try to stop me, God is using to make me all the more effective. Huh? Now here's an irony. The guy who was needing Jesus' help and knew he needed Jesus' help and knew he needed to get to Jesus couldn't get to Jesus through the front door because all the haters were taking up the front seats. And the result, story is all the better. Without the haters, there would have been no need for a hole in the roof. Without the haters, no one would have asked the question, who does this guy think that he is forgiving sins, thus allowing Jesus to prove that he has the authority to forgive sins? Hmm. Yeah. It's the, it's the opposition that allows us to prove that it's in our weakness that God's greatness is seen all the more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Did I lose you all? I need your help here. Huh? It's in our weakness that God's strength is seen all the more clearly. Does anybody believe that this morning? Yeah. Praise God for our weakness. Praise God for the opposition. Now, this is my favorite story, and I know some of you know it, but it just fits here too well for me not to share it. So, um, youth pastor. Part of my road to Estes Park was being youth pastor in Greeley. When I moved to Greeley, it was had always been, always was my desire to have lunch on campus with the students that I was working with. Problem in Greeley was they had a closed door policy. I wasn't used to that. In other words, I as a youth pastor could not get on campus to sit in the cafeteria with the kids that I'm working with. So I prayed about it. Others prayed about it. This was really a burden to me. I asked people just pray about this. Can't get in. Door is shut. And then on Wednesday night, a group of students showed up at youth and told me about a starting football player, a star, who happened to come to our church. And it was preseason. And he had blown out his knee. The doctor told him that He couldn't play football the rest of the year. Thursday, I called the guy up. And I said, hey, you mind if I come over? He said, sure, come on over. Talked to him a while. I said, do you mind if I pray with you? He said, please do. So I prayed for him. And then I left. The following Monday, he was scheduled to go in for the permanent cast. He had a temporary cast to get him through until Monday. The doctor pulled off the temporary cast... Looked at his leg and said, I don't know what's going on, but there's nothing wrong with your knee and you can go back to playing football. So, I get a call from the Greeley West coach. (laughs) Pastor Mike, he didn't even know me, right? I heard what you did for Eric. Wow, I didn't do a thing right? But I heard what you did. And I'm just wondering, would you consider being the chaplain for our football team? <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> because of the opposition, there's a great story to be told. And now, I didn't have to worry about open door or closed door. I was part of the team, and I was invited on campus. Yeah, and I just have to add that the quarterback of that team today is in full-time ministry. Some of you know him, and if you want to know him, you ask me later. I'm not going to say it here, all right? But here's the challenge. Maybe, just maybe, we need to stop blaming the opposition, and instead we need to start writing them thank you notes. Huh? There's an idea. I mean... So here's a question. What might you be trying to escape that in reality God wants to use for a greater story? Yeah. So there's a third door, the door of obedience. So these friends get their friend to Jesus and and after all this and everything set up, Jesus gets to the point where he gives one simple command to the man on the mat. He says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Now, Put yourself in that scenario and and Jesus is prompting and he's calling you and will you respond to what Jesus is saying? And Jesus is saying to this man, I want you to walk out of here carrying the very mat that you were carried in on. In fact, that opposition that tried to block you coming through the front door, I now want you to walk out that same door in full view of every one of them. That's what I want you to do. And, and can you picture the doubts? But Jesus, my my legs don't 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 work. But what God wants to do is suddenly make this man a type of door himself. A door through which others would have the opportunity to see God for themselves. It's in verse 12, partway through, where it says, This amazed everyone. Do you suppose that includes critics and all? This amazed everyone, and they praised God. God. And maybe 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 there's someone here today that you've been walking through disappointment in life and and you feel defeated like you're lying on some type of mat. Please hear Jesus voice. Get up. Take your mat and and walk. And you might be hearing the opposition. No, no, no. Don't do that. Stay put. Don't you dare move. I mean there was a day when people cheered when you walked, but now the voices have changed. Don't set yourself up for failure. Don't set yourself up for disappointment. Don't look like a fool. And there's doubt and there's fear and there's pride and there's hesitation and there's questions and there's questions and there's questions questions. And in the midst of it all, are you willing to hear his call? And will you allow him to make you a door for others to see God? Because God shows himself best through broken vessels made whole. And he wants to show himself through you. Which takes us to a final door. Man, when God's convicting you all, you get quiet again on me. And I don't know what to do. God wants to make you a door. Through which others can see God. Yeah. So that's that's the fourth door, the door of Revelation. These people weren't amazed. The crowd wasn't amazed when the roof came off. The crowd was amazed when the man got up. And it had nothing to do with Jesus preaching it had everything to do with its demonstration and today god wants to make you a revelation a type of door a story that says this is what i was this is where god captured me and this is what god is doing in my life and will you be one of those who allow some friends to carry you to jesus I'd love to be one of those friends. I think there's others here who want to be one of those friends. I think there's a bunch of us here who want to help because we know it's true. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus did come to give us life to the full, no kidding. And that Jesus really is the good shepherd and that Jesus himself really, really, really is is the door. And will you respond? Is anybody so bold to get up even now? And here's call and move.